Before I begin my message today, I want to start by thanking you, the members of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Springfield. On behalf of my teaching partner, Cheryl Giesecke, and I, I want to thank you for your generous offerings, which made Bibles like these available for us to hand out as we do our teaching at Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola, Louisiana. Now, I know your school principal, Paul Baker, wanted to make sure that Redeemer raised more money than the very first place where we met at Emmanuel and Belvedere. But I have to tell you, Paul, it was pretty much of a dead heat. Both churches were amazingly generous. And when we return again to teach another week, we're teaching the Gospel of Matthew in November. Uh, We're going to be able to hand out several hundred Bibles again to the men who are there, and they will be blessed by it. And as I told Pastor Sippy, we'll also be returning to you the uh, thank you notes that the inmates will write to you and also will return to you the prayer requests that they will ask you to pray on their behalf. So again, thank you very much for your generous contributions. In our message today, we're going to take a look at a story uh, in today's gospel reading that helps us understand what I would call the radical nature of Christ-like love. And it's that radical nature of Christ-like love that, uh, that we are to live out, especially when it comes to reaching the lost people. Now, let me take you back just to the first verses again, because it begins this way. Luke says, now the tax collectors and sinners. Now, that's an interesting gathering. It's kind of like you folks this morning. We're all gathering to hear. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and actually eats with them. Now, you all probably know that the Jews hated the tax collectors because they collaborated with the Romans and because they overcharged people and took the extra money for themselves. Now, that word sinner is also an interesting word because it describes the lowest class of people that you could possibly imagine. And in that day and age, it would pretty much have been thieves and prostitutes. Now, the point is that Jesus, uh, well... He attracted some interesting people. The worst people, it seems, came to Jesus, and Jesus welcomed them. And the ultra-religious, well, they did not like that very much. In fact, they hated Jesus for that. They said, you know, if you hang around with sinners, you're going to become just like them. Now, there's some truth to that, because in 1 Corinthians 15, it does say bad company does corrupt good character. Now... I understand that you cannot hang around with bad people uh, for no purpose and have your life not impacted negatively. See, it all depends on why you hang around with those so-called bad people. And so now Jesus tells us this interesting parable. And many of you have grown up probably heard what parables are. You know, actually the word is parabole. It just means to lay two things alongside for point of comparison. Or some of you went to a Lutheran grade school like I did somewhere along the line. You heard that it was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Well, as we teach it down in prison, we always tell people the parable is always about the kingdom of God. In fact, many of them begin, the kingdom of God is like this. And so you're going to learn about what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. That kingdom that you're going to pray later, that you're going to pray is going to come. Thy kingdom come. But it also tells you a lot about the king. And then it tells you about the king's subjects, and it tells you how the king's subjects ought to act as they live in that kingdom underneath that king. 
This is the parable of just the lost sheep today. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, friends, I believe God has a message for us today. And by us, I mean me. Well, I also, by the word us, mean all of you. And by the word us, I mean all of you collectively known as Redeemer Lutheran Church. And yes, Paul, by us, I also mean you and your responsibility over the young people at Springfield Lutheran Church. And yes, when I use the word us, I'm also talking about the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And by us, I'm also talking about everybody who calls themselves a Christ follower. These words are for all of us today. I want to focus on just three lessons from this scripture. Here's lesson number one. Some of God's sheep are lost. In verse six of our text, the shepherd mentions my lost sheep. See, lost people matter to God because God created them in his image. The worst sinner in the world still bears the image of God, no matter how blurred it may be. No matter how deeply a sheep, if you will, or a person has fallen, that person still belongs to God. Not necessarily by redemption, but certainly by creation. God has a claim on every human heart, and no amount of sin and rebellion can ever cancel God's initial claim on that person. In this parable, the shepherd knows his sheep even while they're lost. And the same is true of our Heavenly Father. He knows his lost sheep even when they're pretty far away from him. And he knows them by name before they know him. And the interesting thing is many lost people today don't even know they are lost. And believe it or not, there are some people who are actually heading back to the sheep, to the shepherd, Jesus, at this moment. But they don't yet know it. So that's lesson number one. Here's lesson number two. God wants his lost sheep found. Now, in this story that he tells us, one sheep, it's kind of interesting, one sheep is more valued than the 99 sheep. Now, that hardly makes any sense economically. I mean, why not just write off that one sheep uh, as part of the cost of doing sheep business? I mean, after all, sheep are not the brightest animals. They get lost all the time. Well, I have to tell you that over the years, I've done a lot of reading in the field of sheepology. And uh, all of these sources I read on sheepology all say basically the same thing about sheep. Uh, they're not the brightest bulb in the box. You know, they're, uh, you know, an order of fries short of a Happy Meal. You know, the elevator doesn't go, you all know it. They're just not a smart animal. And not that they're necessarily dumb, but they easily go their own way. Uh, they eat a little grass here, and then they go eat a little grass over there, and then they try out that meadow over there, and then they kind of go past that pond over there and down that valley into another place, and then suddenly they're separated from the flock, and because they're too dumb to find their way back, they just lay down right where they're at. And they will never, ever find their way back 
unless somebody comes to find them. Isaiah 53, 6 uses that same kind of image to describe you and me. It says, we all like sheep. Isn't that wonderful that in the Bible, we are often called sheep? You know, couldn't he come up with a better thing? I'd, I'd like to have been called a dolphin, quite honestly. He's a pretty intelligent animal and gets to swim in the water and everything. But we're just a bunch of dumb sheep. Why? Because we have all gone astray. And a further indictment is, each one of us has turned to his own way. We all know what's best. And we only pray when, you know, they're 9-11 prayers. Oh, Lord, we're in trouble now. But up until that time, we often go our own way. There's a little sheep in all of us and a lot of sheep in most of us. We go our own way. We do our own thing. We follow our own desires until one day we discover that we are not quite as close to the shepherd or to our Lord as we once were. And like dumb sheep, we have no clear idea sometimes how we got into such a mess. I don't know. Anybody here today, you don't need to raise your hand, but have you ever gotten yourself into such a mess that you looked at, you kind of looked at yourself in the mirror and said, how did I ever get to this point? And you're not quite sure how you're going to make it your way back to God. Now, if someone doesn't come for you, you may never find your way home. So do we realize that the lost out in this world are really lost? You know, the Bible uses some pretty sobering images to describe lost people. Maybe you know some sheep like this. There are people who are blind, but somehow still think they can see. They're dead, but they think they're alive. Uh, they're held captive, and yet they still think they're free. They're helpless, but they, they, can, they can do anything and everything. They're without understanding, and yet they seem to know everything. They're bound for hell. And yet they still think they're going to heaven. See, lost sheep will not be easily found. The shepherd leaves his flock and it says that he goes after this lost sheep. How long? Until he finds it. Now remember, he doesn't know where that little sheepy sheep might be. He has no idea if that sheep went north or south or east or west. But he sets out on this long journey that may take a few moments, it may take a few hours, it may even take a few days. But you have to go where the sheep are. Because you can't say, come here, sheepy sheep. They're not going to come. That's lesson number three. Someone, someone, and I'll tell you who that someone is going to be in a little while. Get ready. Someone must go after God's lost sheep. Now, when teaching parables at Angola Prison, an inmate student uh, asked me after we taught this section of parables, he said, uh, are these parables not more about God and his love for the lost than they are about the lost? Now, the answer is yes. These parables are first and foremost about God. They reveal to us the very heart of God and his desire to To have those who do not yet know him, know him and be a part of his family. But that's really not the end of the matter. Because if I understand my Bible, if I understand the biblical narrative well enough, we as God's children are supposed to illustrate the character of God to other people. As God loves, what are we to do? We are to love as well. 
He cared enough to reach out to us. You know, he called us by the gospel. He enlightened us by his gifts. Those of you who memorize Luther's catechism know all of that. But he cared enough to reach out to us, and we need to care enough to reach out to others. God's love is really the foundation of Christian outreach, or what we sometimes call evangelism. We love because he first loved us. Or as I've told so many people over the years, if lost people matter to God, they better matter to us as well. See, that sort of love requires a definite change in our priorities as Christ followers. I mean, the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep. But that doesn't mean that he abandoned those 99 sheep. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense because he'd come waltzing home with that little sheepy sheep and the other 99 would be gone someplace. So what's happening to the other 99? Well, the flock of 100 takes more than one shepherd. Takes more than one person who's interested in sheep. And no doubt Jesus uh, meant that this head shepherd left the flock in the hands of his under shepherds and went off personally to find this lost sheep. I mean, he didn't hand it off to the assistant shepherd in charge of sheep finding. The head man left the safety and security of the flock and went after the lost sheep himself. Do you know anybody that's lost today? Are you out there after them exhibiting Christ's love and trying to bring them back into the flock? Let me just suggest what this means, friends. The found sheep must be left before the lost sheep can be found. I mean, if you only remember one sentence out of my message today, that would be the one. I, I think that summarizes my whole sermon. The found sheep must be left before the lost sheep can be found. As long as you stay gathered together, hunkered down in a holy little huddle with found sheep, Lost sheep out there will never, ever be found. Now, a lot of people are going to stay with the sheep to take care of their needs at that point of time. But someone must leave the comfort of the flock and go out, venturing out into the unknown, searching for God's lost sheep. Now, i got to tell you, there are always reasons to stay with the found sheep. But if everybody stays and nobody goes, the lost sheep will never be found. That's why this Christ-like love calls for a really hard personal commitment. Now, as I studied this text, I was struck by the verbs that were in there used to describe what the shepherd does. And I think the words will show up here on the screen. He leaves, he goes, he finds, he lifts, he carries, he calls his friends. I want you to say that with me together. Let's say that, that, those words together. He leaves, he goes... He finds, he lifts, he carries, he calls his friends. See, all of this is very personal. None of this is easy to do. It's not easy to do for even somebody who calls themselves a pastor. It costs the shepherd a great deal. Do you know how much nerve it takes to listen to somebody standing in front of you at line at a Starbucks who says, my life really stinks. I just wish I could end it all. Do you know how much nerve it takes to tap that person on the shoulder and say, could I tell you about a life that's worth living? It takes something. It takes something to take that next step. But notice when he finds that sheep, there's a whole lot of joy. Joy. I mean, the shepherd rejoices when he finds that sheep. 
The people rejoice when he shows up back in the village with that sheep. See, heaven rejoices, the Bible says, whenever one sinner repents. And that emphasis on joy, I don't know, just remind me of a couple of other things. One of them is that the shepherd rejoices even though the sheep is still far from home. It says that when he found him, he joyfully hoisted that sheep up and put him on his shoulders and goes home. Now think about it. The sheep is still in the wilderness when the shepherd picks him up. The long journey starts, but the shepherd is going to be with him on that entire journey. Kind of reminds me how the Bible says, for lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The shepherd is always there. But whenever the lost is found, sometimes they actually need to be, I hate to use this word, church broken. They need to kind of be taught what it means to be an honest-to-goodness sheep in the sheepfold. But the shepherd rejoices even though he's not home. And he's safe in the shepherd's arm. That's all that matters. The shepherd never, ever says, you stupid sheep. I mean, look at all the trouble you caused me. All the time you went, you ever do this again, I am going to shear you bald. (laughs) He never says that. But, you know, I think some sheep in the fold are that way every once in a while. I think sometimes we as Christ followers can be pretty nasty when it comes to thinking about those sinners that are out there. It's almost as if we've never, ever been lost before. Oh, no, I'd never be lost like them. Well, we've been there, all of us. Second thing this joy reminds me of is that the people rejoiced when the shepherd showed up with a lost person. You know, it'd be easy for people to say, oh, come on, head shepherd guy. Uh, what a waste of time and money for one lousy sheep. I remember... Being with Ozzy Hoffman a number of years ago, he was teaching a class when I was at Concordia Teachers College. It's called Concordia Teachers College in Seward at that time. And he was in class, and he asked if anybody had any questions. And the one guy said, how much does it cost to, to have that Lutheran hour on every week? <laughs> and Ozzy Hoffman looked at him, and he rattled off, I don't know what it is, several million dollars, I guess, every year to get the Lutheran hour on. And the guy said, wouldn't it... Don't you think that's an awful waste of money? And Ozzie Hoffman said, if it saves one person, it was worth it. People are happy when the lost are found. They rejoice. See, in all of this, we discover two sides of God's character. One is God's enormous compassion for lost people. I mean, when people have asked me in the past, why would you leave the flock here at Lord of Life, for example. Why would you leave the flock at First Lutheran? Why would you leave the flock at St. Mark's Lutheran and go down to prison? The answer is because there are some lost people there. Now, I understand there are lost people in the communities I've been in. But hopefully I've led by some example in my life to help illustrate that to people, too. So we understand God's great compassion Second of all, we also understand God's sovereign grace in rescuing lost sheep. Now, I realize that one out of a hundred is statistically insignificant. Now, if baseball, if a batter uh, gets a hit 99 times out of a hundred, he'd be in the Hall of Fame the next day. Uh, If a coach wins 99 out of a hundred games, he's going to be ridden off on the shoulders of people and doused with Gatorade for the rest of his life. If you get 99 out of a hundred in the test, you're probably going to get straight A's. So for most of us, 99 out of 100 seems good enough, but it is never good enough for God. 
He cares about that one lost person just as he as much as he cares about the 99 who are found. That's the kind of God we have. He doesn't write anyone off. And as far as heaven is concerned, there are no hopeless cases. See, God cares for sinners one at a time. And I thank God for that because I'm a sinner. You ought to thank God every day for that, that God cares about sinners. Because that's exactly who you are. But you are a sinner saved by grace. I'm wearing my amazing grace tie today to remind me that once was lost, but now I'm found. See, Jesus called us to be what? The friend of sinners. You know, that's in Luke chapter 7, verse 34. We're, we're to be the friend of sinners. Is that what people would say about you? That you're a friend of sinners? Now, friends, I'm going to tell you, the problem of the world is not the world. The problem of the world is the church. The problem of the world is not all the sinners out there in the world. The problem of the world are all the saints who are still hunkered down in the church. The problem is not all those bad guys out there. Oftentimes the problem is all the good guys who are in here who will not take the good news out there to people who really need to hear it. It's not that you don't need to hear it, but there are a lot of people who also really, really, really need to hear it. The problem is not with all the sin and suffering that we see out there. The problem is that really good people often remain trapped comfortably inside the four walls of the church. Now, friends, I'm happy that we're all here today. And I hope that you return time after time. I hope you are in worship every Sunday. I, I pray that you're, you've got people in Sunday school, that you're in Bible classes, that you're constantly learning more and more about this good and gracious God. But this may come as a surprise to some of you. Nowhere in the Bible, at least in any part of the Bible I've ever read, nowhere in the Bible are the unsaved commanded to come to church to hear the good news. If we wait for lost people to come to us, we're going to often wait a long, long time, and many people will never come at all. Our only hope is just to go where they are. It's just as simple. Some of God's sheep are lost. God wants his lost sheep found. Someone must go and find those lost sheep. This means that if we stay in our relative uh, safety of Uh, of uh, 2852 South Dayton Avenue in this wonderful worship center with this great elementary school. You know, we're going to have to move out beyond these sacred walls to the highways and byways of life. We need to go where people are. If that means to go and actually have a brew with a few folks at a sports pub and rub shoulders with some lost people, that's where we go. It it means going to a local coffee shop, that's where we go. If it means going to a homeless shelter, that's where we go. If If it means walking the factory floor, that's where we need to go. If it means going to a beauty parlor or a barber shop, that's where we're going to go. If it means walking the halls of your local elementary schools or high schools or colleges, that's where we'll go. If it means going to the health club, the rotary club, or country club, or the library, the coffee shop, or going to Andy's for a little custard, or going to an AIDS hospice, or to the local stuff mart, so be it. We go where lost people are. The church must go where those people are. Some churches, you know, they have waited a hundred plus years for lost people to show up on a Sunday morning. 
And by and large, most people have found all kinds of reasons never to show up. That's why I'll say it again. The church, that's all of us, friends. The church must go where people are. We need to meet them where they are. We need to love them as they are. And with God's help and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to help bring them to Jesus. We cannot expect them to come to us. We must go where they are. See, that, I think, is what the future looks like for Redeemer Lutheran Church. And for that fact, I think that's really ought to be the future of our entire denomination. We must become the church, not in one place, but we must become the church in many places. And ultimately, we must do the work of the church in all of those places and not just in one. And that's a whole sermon for another time. I'll leave that up to Pastor Sippy to explain to you how that's going to happen. But it's not totally unrelated to what I'm talking about today. Jesus told this story about the shepherd who went after one lost sheep. He was speaking of himself and his great love for the lost. And if we are going to be like Jesus, we must do what he would do if he were here today. But come to think of it, he is here today, isn't he? He is here today because we are here today and Christ lives in us. So we have no excuses for holding back from a hurting world, caring enough about the lost to go find them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, fill us with your love and may that love move us out of this place and into the world of hurting people. As your love overcame a world of hate, do the same through us today. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.